Well, what a saga that was. The season may have finished over a month ago, but the last four weeks have arguably been, well, some of the most important of the campaign for Shrewsbury. As one era ends, another one will soon begin at the Montgomery Waters Meadow. Welcome to the latest and the last Shrews views of the season. My name is Johnny Jury and I'm joined by Shrewsbury Town correspondent Ollie Westbury to wrap up the Salop campaign. Now, Ollie, we'd usually do this in the final week after the season finished. Now, we convened at the Montgomery Waters Meadow for our end-of-season videos when everything was certainly uncertain. Three weeks later, and after sort of multiple chats about when we were going to do our end-of-season talent pod, we were still waiting. But finally now, we can do it. It's been a busy few weeks. Obviously, Steve Cottrell has gone, and we will discuss all those goings on. But how are you, pal? You sort of be able to take a breath after a, a busy few weeks? Yeah, I've said this before, haven't I, that it's absolutely mad that you cover 46 games of a League One football season, games home and away. Um, you know, you go to Plymouth on a Tuesday and Port- Portsmouth on a, on a Saturday. And the busiest th- month of the season is when the football ends. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's been... I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, it's been it's been eventful, hasn't it? I think to say the least. Um, over the last four weeks, um, you know, we did that game. I I went to Lincoln, and then we did. I covered uh, Lewis, didn't I? Um, at Swansea. And and yeah, we thought we'd have some answers, but you know, we didn't. We didn't have any answers until 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 this week. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, and then at, at some points it's just felt like nothing was happening or nothing was progressing or or whatever. So it's been it's been challenging. I think it's been challenging for everybody involved. Um, and I think I'm just kind of glad it's there's some kind of closure to it now, and we can kind of all move on and crack on with the next chapter for Shrewsbury Town Football Club. Yeah, just as uh, Ollie referenced there, the day after Lincoln, Ollie, or two days after Lincoln, or the day after, I can't remember now. Day after. The fi- final game of the season, anyway. The bank holiday Monday, of the, it was the championship end of the season. Ollie was alongside me at West Brom's game against Swansea, and he, I've never seen a more confident man who was going to give me some sort of clarity and information that day on the future of Shrewsbury Town. And then, uh, as it happened a month later, we were still waiting, weren't we, Ollie? So it's... Uh, it's funny how football works these days, but we went over all that in a video um, earlier this week. We're going to go over it as well towards the end of this podcast, but we're going to have a reflection back on Salop's campaign, which on the face of it, you know, 12th place finished, done really well, some really good runs in there, good signings, you know, loads of talking points. So we'll go um, and then we'll obviously talk about Steve Cottrell's departure, how that's come around and potential new managers and the news that Salop are looking for a head coach rather than a, a first team manager. But Ollie. Your first season in the in the job as Shrewsbury Town um, correspondent started all all those months ago at, at Morecambe, I believe, and there's been ups and downs. But I'm just going to run over a few different things and talk about some of the biggest pluses, really, for for Salop. And, and obviously, I've been alongside you for for a handful of those games, maybe ten or twelve games. Um, and one thing we've repeatedly talked about with success over Shrewsbury season has been not just signings but loan signings. So I'd, I've picked this out as, you know, as a big plus this campaign. And I'm sure, you know, you've been there every week, so there'll be other ones. But have the sort of loan signings been arguably the biggest plus of, of Salop's campaign? You know, they can sort of, in the past, Shrewsbury have had seasons where they've, they've, they always gen- generally tend to sign a lot of loan players. But there's been some seasons where not a lot of them come off. But it's hard to see that where any of them are, aside from Julian DeCosta, 
who went in January. So are any of them have, have not been good signings really this time? Yeah, it's a tough one <clears throat> with loan signings because they have been a plus. But I would say the most positive thing about the season is perhaps that they finished 12th, given the adversity that they went through. You know, you can say, oh, they finished 12th, but had a had a plain sailing season. But, you know, their season was anything but that, wasn't it? It was kind of full of um, injury crisis. I know that happened several times throughout the campaign, didn't it? So I'd say that, you know, d- despite the adversity, the finish is the biggest plus point. The loan signings, though, were were a real success. Um, you know, they were ex- they were excellent. Um, you know, the signing of Christian Sadie, Taylor Moore, Carl Winchester, Rob Street, you know, Killian Phillips when he came in in January. They were all, you know, they were all successes, weren't they? You know, some took a little bit longer to get, get into the mix of it. Some hit the ground running. Um, and the players and the coaching staff always said, but the thing about this team that you wouldn't know who's here permanently and who's on loan. And, you know, I think that's that's a real telling sign. And, you know, they were those loan players really were a success story of the season, I suppose. Is that, you know, is that the, the biggest compliment you can almost pay the, the players, I suppose? You know, loan players can come in and and in any club and can be it can be like a personal for, for a personal game as well as a, a team game. But I suppose in terms of. The fact that you've just said there, it seemed like they were only they were permanent signings and not loan signings. Is that the sort of biggest compliment you can pay them? Perhaps, yeah, yeah, perhaps because I suppose that when the going gets real tough and when you're really up against it as a player, I suppose you must know that you know. Well, at the end of the day, Shrewsbury's not my club. Uh, I'll be going back to my parent club, and that's hopefully where my future will lie. And you know, they they weren't like that. Those players, they were 100% in. And as Steve Cottrell would have called them, he said, they're all in. Um, and that that is the way they were throughout the campaign. Um, they were a pleasure to interview um, and a pleasure to be around the training ground, um, you know. So, yes, excellent, excellent loan signings um, between Steve and he said a recruitment, Keith Burt. It really was a, um, yeah, it really was fantastic. Just on uh, other points in the season, obviously we're going to spend quite a bit of this podcast talking about what's gone on in the past couple of weeks. Um, but just looking back, we mentioned there, you mentioned injury crisis. And I think you could probably categorise Salop's season into two or three little runs, really. Obviously, they had a good run earlier in the campaign. Then there was that Christmas period where they, I remember we did a podcast before Christmas and we were like, if they win these three games against sides down the bottom, they're going to be right in the mix for the top six, top seven. As it transpired, yeah. they lost all three of them. You know, it was a bad Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they went on that amazing run of sort of nine, ten games. I think it was eight, nine, ten games. And then there was obviously the run where it all tailed off towards the end as sort of injuries really did begin to to bite. Um, wouldn't call it stop-start, all, but sort of a bit sort of bitty in terms of those runs. Streaky and, was the streaky. word that's yeah. been used. Yeah, they kind of, they were either good, they were hot, or they were... Oh. Not hot. <laughs> um, I, I would have said, caveated by, you know, the last ten games, they they only took four points from those games. But I think you have to caveat the fact that, you know, they were really up against it in those games. 
Um, so yeah, <clears throat> there were several periods. That period between, I think it was the middle of January and throughout February, where they won six league games on the trot, and then they went to Exeter and got a draw. And it was only a disappointing defeat at Accrington that really that really did have an impact, um, which is a shame. Which is a real, which was a was a real shame that that run couldn't keep going. But it was a sensational run, you know, the, the moment where Ryan Bowman scored that goal against Forest Green for him to complete that turn turnaround in in a game where, you know, the national news and media and kind of descended on Montgomery Waters Meadow to see Duncan Ferguson's first game as uh, Everton, as uh, sorry, not Everton boss, Forest Green Rovers boss for Shrewsbury to kind of turn it around in the 94th and 98th minute and uh, rewrite all their headlines. It was kind of quite amusing. Um, but that was part of that run. And, you know, they were, they were steady, I would have said, up to around Christmas, probably not particularly consistent, but with good results and some good performances. It was a tricky spell in November um, where they played pretty well, but kind of had some tough, tough runs of games. You know, the fixtures kind of, they had nice runs and then they had much harder runs and 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 that they perhaps struggled a little bit against some of the sides in the top six, which I think is kind of fair, really, when you look at perhaps the difference in budgets and the difference in quality that some of those sides may have. So... You know, I think you can only, yeah, streaky is perhaps the way that you can describe it, but that doesn't mean it was any less successful. No, I think that's a good good way of sort of sort of summing it up. You talk about injuries there. I'm going to really put you on the spot with this question. There's been, you know, big injury. I think Elliot Venner had a couple, didn't he? Julian De Costa, who obviously left in January, um, had injuries uh, elsewhere. There's been big ones. Tom Bayless towards the end of the campaign as well. Dan Udo, George Nurse, obviously long-term ones. If Shrewsbury had maybe had two of those injuries rather than six or seven, could they have? Do you think they would have made the playoffs at the end of the campaign? Uh, and I know that I know that's a completely sort of mood point, but in terms of sort of hindsight and and what you saw and what you think they could have achieved if they'd have had a fully fit squad or near a fully fit squad, do you think they could have got in there? No. Um, no, I don't. I don't think they would have got in the playoffs. Not not with the players. You know, they still had a small squad. They had some good players, but it was still a small squad. I think they would have competed right to the very end. I think that they would have definitely finished in the top 10, perhaps in between that 10th and 6th position. Um, don't forget, they could have finished 10th even right up to the last day. But I think to get into that top six would have been a real challenge. Um, and yeah, that, that those are my thoughts really when it comes to the top six. I think they would have perhaps always been struggling to break into that top six just because of the quality and the strength and depth that, you know, I know you can say that about injuries and, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday that, but injuries happen. Um, they're part of football and you, you can't just write them off and go, oh, if we would have had this player and we'd have had that player, and which is true. But you, do, you are going to pick them up, aren't you? You know, you, you you look at any squad at any time that it's very rare that you have a full allocation of players available to you. So injuries do happen. Um, they happen to Shrewsbury a hell of a lot worse than they happen to most people. Um, most people, most teams throughout the season, which was a bit of a shame. Um, 
and I think Shrewsbury would have really given it a nudge up towards that top half. But I think perhaps the top six would have been a step too far for, for town, in yeah. my view. Certainly my opinion, though. Well, we value your opinion maybe if they here, Ollie, got, on Shrewsbury's. Maybe, maybe if they could have got a player or two in in January with the money being two points off the playoff places, yeah. now that could have been a different, a different story if they'd have signed a couple of players. But I think to, to have the players that they had in the door, you know, it was perhaps clear in January that we, that they needed to replace one or two, and, and, and by not doing that, that pretty much put put pay to yeah the top six yeah. ambitions. Yeah, big ifs and, ifs and buts, isn't it, over the course of the season? But obviously, a twelfth place, place finish is a very very good finish for Sab. Just a couple of quick fire questions. I'm going to ask you if you're unsung hero of the campaign. Who's no. sort? No. no, no, carry on. Who's uh, who's your unsung hero of the campaign? Who's someone who, who maybe hasn't had all the, the huge plaudits and headlines, but has has been very, very sort of important for Salah this season? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, the unsung hero. Uh, to be honest with you, I think there was quite a lot of quite a lot of unsung heroes um, in that team. I think obviously Luke Lee's had a lot of praise. I thought Shay Dunkley went under the radar an awful lot, but I also thought Taylor Moore went under the radar a lot, considering Taylor Moore played in so many different positions. He was the the versatile player, and actually perhaps his best position at centre half. He probably didn't get to play as much he would as he would have liked, but I actually thought that Taylor Moore improved and improved and improved with games. Oh, it was a smashing bloke, lovely to chat to, and. He was just always for the team, whether he, whether he was playing at left back, whether he was playing at wing back. I asked Steve Cottrell about him in his very last pre-match press conference before they went to Lincoln. And Steve said, the only place that Taylor Moore's not played this season's in goal. Um, and he did. He played everywhere. And he always did a job. Up front? He did he play up front? No, perhaps he didn't. <laughs> perhaps he didn't. Perhaps a slow, slight over-exaggeration on, on Steve's part. But I get his point. He, he did... He pretty much played everywhere across wing back, left back, centre half, midfield. He kind of did all those roles, uh, sometimes changing position in game. And he always gave 100%. And I thought he was perhaps an underrated, an underrated kind of commodity within Shrewsbury's team. And I think his versatility added on to the versatility of a lot of other players too meant that they could afford to, um, when they did get the injuries, it seemed a little bit more seamless, the transition. Um, I feel like other teams, just are not in League One, just anywhere, that because they had players that could quite easily, were still first-team players that could fill in in a different position, where you have Luke Lee dropping to centre-back, or whether you have Jordan Shipley going from left midfield to left wing-back, or... You know, you bring Elliot Bennett into midfield rather than right right wing back. I feel like the the players and the team adapted to it really well, which which I think is a, an important thing. Um, and 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 yeah, so Taylor Moore gets the nod for me. That wasn't a quick fire answer because I explained it in a lot of depth. <laughs> there you go. Two minutes thirty three seconds. I think that answer was, but um, but we'll let you off. Or we'll let you off. Next one. I'm going to put you even more on the spot. But there's a stipulation to this answer. I'm going to ask you for your salad player of the season, but you're not allowed 
to choose Luke Leahy because he's won a load of plaudits and a load of trophies in the end of season awards. We're going to ask you for someone different. Interesting because I've just done my I've just done my ratings for the paper, yes. my overall ratings, and I saw that Killian Phillips actually beat Luke Lee. He just didn't play enough games to qualify. So we rated 34 games and he needed to have played half of those to qualify. And I think he only played 14 that we rated. Um and Luke Lee had an average of 6.9 for the season, and Killian Phillips had an average of seven. So only only just um I will say Shay Dunkley. Shay Dunkley. Only because only because he played 46 games and I thought he was sublime. Um you know he scored six goals. It was a real shame that he got sent sent off on that last game of the season, but I thought he was excellent. He was yeah, I did I thought he was excellent and I thought he had a really, really good campaign. So Shay Dunkley. There we go. The Ollie Westbury end of season awards. We'll get some uh, some little trophies made up for for pre-season. All you can take him to the training ground and I think you have to, um, to the players. You have to take in, I think you have to take into consideration those kind of things. Like you see, it'd be easy to say like somebody like Matthew Pennington who had a really yeah. another good year, but then he missed the last five or six games and he had a groin injury at one point. And I think as far as I'm concerned, I think there is something to be said for playing 46 games of a League One season. There is the, That is an achievement in itself, in professionalism, in looking after yourself. And I think you have to take that into account, not only with performances, but also things like that too. Yeah, it's a fair old, uh, it's a fair old slog to play every yeah. every single game, certainly in a, in a League One campaign. Right, we're going to put to bed there the, uh, the review of the 22-23 season because all the people listening to this podcast will probably listen to it to hear what Ollie's got to say about, me, about the last few days, weeks, um, and what could happen in the next few days and weeks um, regarding the managerial situation at Shrewsbury Town. Now, we know by now it's been a long and drawn-out process since that game at Lincoln where Steve Cottrell said his future was indeed up in the air. Um, it wasn't until late last week where we heard that he was, well, it was confirmed really that he was set to leave Shrewsbury and sort of discussions were going on between him and the club. That's finally came to a head. It was confirmed on Tuesday that Steve Cottrell is to leave the Montgomery Waters Meadows. Ollie, um, first of all, I just want to get your opinion really on the process or just the last month. You know, not ideal that it's taken this long. Um, and yeah, what have you made of the whole situation really, just in a nutshell? Yeah, the situation's not been dealt with particularly well. Um communication coming out of the club had not been particularly good either. Um, and I suppose now it's the 8th of June and they're now doing a managerial hunt and you don't want to compare it with a club like Spurs, but you look at their season finished, what, a week ago? And, you know, they might, they've, they've, they've now got a new manager in. Um, whereas, you know, by the time Shrewsbury end up making an appointment, it'll probably be six to seven weeks after the end of the football season, which you just look at and think that's just balmy. Basically the start of pre-season then, isn't it? But you know, pretty much, yeah. Six um, six weeks to two months usually, isn't it? The the the, yeah. uh, the holiday they get. <clears throat> so I don't know if I, I find it's uh it's difficult. Um it's hard to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the situation has just not been dealt with well, has it? Right, right from the off. Um, you know, forming a football board without telling your manager about it 
and then knowing full well that your manager will be asked that question in the press after games it's just it's just been handled it's just not been handled very well no um, it's hard because you don't want to criticize too much because i actually think that some of the plans that that are now in place will stand the club in good stead going forward i think mickey moore is a really good appointment it's an appointment that i'm quite excited about um when you speak to people about mickey moore you know that lots of them have like good things to say about him um so i think he will do a good job and i don't think the move to a director of football and the move to a head coach i think that's a good move too and i think it could really work um so you don't want to be too critical because i think they have done things well as well um so only time will tell now how, how that's going to pan out if the club were had informed steve cottrell of their plans for this football board and moving forward and keeping them in the loop it's not to say that he'd still be in a job, but would it have made the situation slightly easier or the process slightly easier, potentially? Well, well, but by informing Steve about the plans for the football board, what you wouldn't have had in in that instance is that every time Steve's asked about the football board, his response is not going to be, I don't know, I've heard nothing about the football board, yeah. which kind of then tells you that the the upstairs and the football side are not on the same wavelength which kind of meant as soon as it started to come out I think the first time you know the day that Brian left Brian Cordell the former chief executive left I think at that point then when Steve was asked about that I think it wasn't then he was asked about the new football board and he said that he didn't know about it and then when Mickey Moore was approached and he said he found out about it when reports surfaced online you knew that something was happening, something was up. It kind of was very clear. And then he said, didn't he, after Lincoln, that it was uncertain, so that his future was uncertain. So, yes, I, I suppose if he would have been kept in the loop, that would have happened. But you know, if the, you know, if, if 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 plans were to go separate ways at the end of the season anyway, then I don't know. I don't know. Um, but that's where we are at the end of the day. Yeah, I suppose there are conversations that have been had sort of behind closed doors since it, the, the news has been announced and since, you know, well, since it started to emerge late last week, you know, we had a poll on the Shopstar website. I think it was sort of 80 odd percent plus Shrewsbury fans who were polled, which is around about 2000, I think, in the end. Um, I believe it was a bad decision to get rid of Steve Cottrell um, after leading the club to 12th. Ollie, can you understand? That we'll come on to the statements from the, from the, the owner and talk on that side because there's obviously two sides of this. We'll talk on that in a second, but it's quite easy to understand the fans' sort of angst towards the decision, sort of on the face of it, given the success that Cottrell had in getting Shrewsbury to 12th place. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. I can understand frustration from the fans' perspective. I can understand, you know, Steve. Steve did a good, has done a good job and his stock has risen at Shrewsbury, um, without a doubt, you know, from, you know, there's no doubt that the job that he did uh, at the club has been a good one. Um, you can't argue with that from a relegation side to a mid-table, you know, side that's looking up, not looking over their shoulder. So, yes, you can understand, you can understand the frustration among the fans. Um, that, yeah, there's not... A, yeah, I, I, I get it. I do. I really do get it. It makes sense. Yeah. And then you've got, on the other hand, you know, you obviously got the chairman 
the decision has been made for this, you know, parting ways, Steve Cottrell's departure. Um, yeah. Now, I just want to reference back to two statements which you referenced in your comment piece. We did talk about it in the video yesterday. Um, he's basically said tough decisions need to be made to safeguard the club, um, as well as in a previous statement, despite regular financial meetings and warnings that spending was greatly exceeded income and budgets has continued unabated. So there obviously are two sides to this, as much as fans will look at the success Steve Cox had on the pitch. This has always happened for a reason. So there are, you know, that that line of safeguarding the future of the club is probably the most telling line, you have to say, of, of the statements. Would you agree? Yeah, it is, but it's vague. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> it's vague, isn't it? It's like, well, what, what does that mean? Like, there's no context behind it, is there? You know, we don't know. We don't know. Um, you know, these things happen for a reason and the chairman will have a reason. I absolutely have no doubt about that. There is, there, 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 there will be reasons. We're just not privy to them. So it's hard to give an opinion. The statement is firm. Um, and you can tell his concern about spending is there. Um, but and, and we don't know why. We don't know why. We don't know what's happened. Do we expect do we expect it to ever be explained, Ollie, in terms of, you know, there's a mention in that statement of sort of contractual reasons and stuff like that. You know, there's obviously two sides to this story. Steve Cox released a, you know, a really classy statement sort of talking about the supporters, but obviously there's a side from him as well. You know, do you do you expect at least the club or the club at some point to come out and explain this a little bit further? Because that's what a lot of fans online have, and social media have been sort of asking for is the information, really, the full picture. Do you think we'll ever sort of know the full picture or is it a case of line drawn under it and, and move on to the next sort of era of Shrewsbury Town now? No, I don't think we'll get the full picture. I don't think we will. And there's things being circulated on, there's things and rumours that go around on social media. Um, but I don't think, I don't think we'll get the full picture. I don't think there's any benefit for it now. I don't know, maybe I'm being naive. It's my first job in football, but I look at it and think now it's case closed, that everybody needs to move on. We need to start planning forward and we need to, you know, get behind the club and hope that next year this is, is, you know, the decisions are the right ones. Um, you know, the manager will come under, the manager and perhaps the chairman will come under some stick if it's a difficult start to next season because obviously they had someone in 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 in, in Steve Cottrell that's obviously done a, a good job for a, for a long time. So there's a bit of pressure there. Um, will we ever know the real reasons as to what's happened? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it. it obviously, those are the, the million dollar questions for supporters. But I think you make a really good point about that. You know, we've got to talk about it. Um, but I suppose they get to a point where, you know, a new manager does come in and you move on to the to the next the next situation. And that's probably put us on a good point, Ollie, and, and, and a good sort of way to move into the next point is is what happens next. We know from your story yet that dropped yesterday that Shrewsbury are going to be looking at head coach type role rather than a first team manager. This is a, a direction which a lot of others have gone in in the past. Yeah. Um, so what is, you know, what is the sort of the next steps now? What do we know at the moment? Is that as much as we know is the fact that Shrewsbury are just going to be looking for a, for a head coach? Um, or do we know if there's any potential candidates at the moment? Well, there will be candidates, and you know, I think the club the club is aware of exactly the moment in time that they find themselves in at the moment, um, and you know, all the 
all the stuff going on behind the scenes. Um, so, you know, they need to get a move on. They are, it's the 8th of June as we record now, but that will continue. You know, our managers, you know, there's the interview process and there's finding the right person. You know, are they going to be in work? Are they going to be out of work? And I know, like, it's, it's, you refer to them as the manager, but obviously we we understand that it's going to be more of a head coach role that's brought in to coach a squad of players that, you know, Mickey Moore is going to get to work on and he's going to do his, he's going to do kind of, a similar role to what he did at Cheltenham to kind of recruit and develop and build a squad of young players. Um, and then that this coach is going to come in to effectively organise them, coach them and prepare them for each Saturday. Um, so that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what, what we know at the moment. I imagine the process is well underway. It'll be Mickey Moore's first big, first big kind of recruitment drive it'll be the first thing he's going to be judged at from the club um so yeah we'll just have to see we'll just have to see is it it's it's almost a more difficult one to sort of speculate over over potential names when you look at at managers and an afl job there's always sort of similar ones that come up when you think of managers but i suppose with head coaches there are other clubs out there and k dons went for for liam mannon who's now at oxford Cambridge went for Mark Bonner, both relatively unknowns, and there's a, there's a number of others out there. Um, we know the story in the Shropshire Star today that former TLS manager Anthony Limbrick, who's who's managing the football league before, he's sort of thrown his hat into the ring. He's very much going to be, a, I imagine, an outside contender, if anything. Um, but is it sort of? I suppose it's harder for fans to sort of speculate when Shrewsbury are looking at a model where they've never really been before. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, speculations till we start getting some rumours and some transfer rumours and some people that they're perhaps interested in and who's on the list and who's not on the list, who they're going to interview, who they're going to approach, who they're going to invite back for second interviews. It's all incidental, really, because now it's just we're waiting for a name to appear, aren't we, really? We've got an idea of what they're looking for. Um, yeah, we've got an idea of what they're looking for and... It just depends if they find the person that they want or the circumstances around that. So, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see as and when they kind of get some answers. And we'll kind of, as and when the rumours start, the rumour mill starts to turn, we'll try and cover it as best we can, see if we can get a few stories on, you know, who they're keen on, who they're not keen on. Um, and hopefully this is how this will develop over the next few days. Do we have we got anything in terms of a loose sort of time frame? Obviously, it's been a lot longer than everyone probably within Shrewsbury and fans would have hoped for for this situation to sort of resolve to get to where it is now. I suppose what you don't want is another month down the line or six weeks down the line before a new manager comes through the door, a new head coach, sorry, comes through the door. Yeah, I think the players were back in pre-season training last year in July. Don't forget the season starts a week later this year than it did last season because of the World Cup. So I expect the players to be back in in July and the same as last year and i expect the manager to be in maybe a, just before that probably maybe a week or two a week before that so i would have said in a couple of weeks time we'll have a manager um i would have thought they would like to get it done before that um but that seems to be the goer that seems to be that's it as i understand it 
we'll have to sort of wait and see. And as I said, as Ollie said, keep on uh, shopstar.com for all the, the news on that. Well, Ollie, we're just going to wrap up with a few couple of, of, of different questions. Probably one, the last one, which is very, very difficult to answer. But your first season in the job, enjoyable time covering Salop. It's certainly been, like you said, eventful. Um, what's your highlight been in the in the campaign, apart from pre-press food at big certain big grounds? Um, <laughs> what has my highlight been? Um, I enjoyed Derby away when we were two 0 down at half time, but came back to draw two two. I thought that was a really really good day to see Shrewsbury fans packing out the Derby away end, 30,000 people, the facilities at Derby are top quality as well. Um, it's well, a great ground to go to, one that I'd not been to before. Um, I did enjoy Derby away. That does um, kind of stick out in my mind. Um, similarly, Burton Albion away, 4-0. That was a pretty good day too. There were some dark days as well. I mean, Charlton, Charlton away. My yeah. girlfriend came to that game and we went to see some friends in London beforehand and they were Charlton fans. Um, and we all went to the world. Well, obviously, <laughs> I went to the game to cover it, but my girlfriend, it was her first Shrewsbury game and they lost 6 0. Oh, dear. Um, oh, dear. And then I had to go back to the Charlton fans' house after and, uh, yeah, <laughs> safe to say uh, that was an interesting evening meal. Um, so that was a pretty dark day um, when we got pumped by Charlton. Um, you know, around Christmas time when we kept getting, when we kept having players sent off and then when they kept getting, you know, we kept appealing and getting the red cards overturned. That that was pretty depressing, wasn't it, when that kept happening? Um, you know, um, and there were some cold nights in there too, <laughs> must admit. Some cold nights. Peterborough away, bloody hell, that was Baltic. Um you are. We have to say though, you are a cricketer, so you do get cold very easily. You're a fair weather sportsman, aren't you, all? So. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm sure there were some cold nights in there. There were some cold nights <laughs> in there. But as it happens, my coldest nights of the season have ended up when I when I when I've been sent to Telford to cover the books. Some of those days, oh. Yeah, they yeah, were don't, don't, me- don't mention that. That one here, the Salop fans will there. Uh, will be sort of snarling at their. Uh, at their phones at the moment, but I'm going to ask you one question and it's going to be my final question. And it's one that I'm going to allow you to answer with no comment if you want, because it's a very, very difficult question no to comment. ask, given the fact that Shrewsbury haven't got a manager, they're still rebuilding the squad. Uh, we don't really know what's going to go on next season. Ollie, I'm going to ask you for a very loose prediction for next season. That's not 17. in terms of what... 17, there we go. He's gone in early. 17. Get your uh, get your bets on for that. Ollie Westbury's prediction for League One campaign. You sticking with that all? Seventeenth place finish. You gone very early there. Twenty-four sides, isn't there? Twenty-four sides. I wasn't going to actually ask you for a position, but uh, you've hung your high there. I'm impressed. Seventeenth. Seventeenth place. There we go. We'll revisit that in twelve months' time. Would you take that. Would you take that now? It's it's one of them, isn't it? It depends what squad I, I suppose you'd be going to the season with. Yeah, with the budget, the kind of things that are, you kind of understand about the budget and the fact that money's going to be tight, I think 17th would be... 17th and a cup run, I suppose, yeah. given given everything that's gone on. But yeah, Ollie, very, very sharp. 
Very sharp off the uh, off the line there. Ollie, thank you very much for all your time this season in your first uh, season as Salop correspondent. Me and Ollie are going to be back every single Monday from next season. We're going to be starting in pre-season and we're going to be bringing you a little snippet of Shrew's views every Monday throughout next season, which hopefully will be a successful one. Um, well, they're going to finish 17th, according to Ollie. So given the circumstances, that may be classed as a successful. But Salop fans, thank you very much for listening. It's been well, successful on the pitch in terms of uh, league position, but it's been a rocky and frustrating last month. And whether fans sort of agree or not, Cottrell's now gone and the search is on for a new head coach. What will Salop look like ahead of the, the new campaign, the 23-24 season? At the moment, no one really knows the answer to that. Thanks for everyone to list, for listening to all our episodes. We really appreciate your support. We've actually got a couple of guest episodes coming in the next couple of weeks that I recorded a few months ago. A couple of ex-Salop captains um, have been talking to Shrewsview, so we'll be bringing you those in the coming weeks. And as I said, me and Ollie will be back in pre-season. Have a great summer, and we'll see you next season on Shrewsview's. <laughs> <laughs>